Thanks for checking out the weekly sermon from Church of the Resurrection. We pray that God will use this message to speak to you and help you grow in your faith journey. We'd like to invite you to join us next week at one of our services, whether in live worship online at core.org live or in person at one of our locations in the Kansas City area. Church of the Resurrection is one church in multiple locations. To learn more about our service times and ministries, please visit core.org. We hope you enjoy this message. As we continue in worship, I invite you to hear these words of scripture from Psalm 95. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and the dry land which his hands have formed. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Oh, that today you would listen to his voice. May God add a blessing to the reading, the hearing, and understanding of scripture. I think I can safely say that COVID wasn't our best season of human history. It was a difficult season that we had to endure and persevere through. But I think now with some distance, we can look back and, and hopefully find some good that came from it. I was reminded of that season this past weekend as I was able to celebrate uh, my daughter Poppy's baptism. Poppy just turned three and she is forever linked with the COVID season. She's a COVID baby. And so this past weekend, we marked the time as we celebrated her baptism. And since I'm a dad who's proud, I wanna share with you her, her baptism picture shamelessly, but, but as we looked at her and as we, as we celebrated her baptism, we had a chance to, to really uh, rejoice over what God had done with her and, and through her uh, during this difficult season. And, and, and another great thing that happened for me personally, specifically during this COVID season, as I was reflecting a little bit this past week, was, was the emergence for me of, of a regular Bible study that happened with a group of guys uh, at 9.30 on Wednesday nights. Uh, we have also been gathering now for three plus years. And, and this was a direct response to, to me needing uh, to connect with a group of guys to walk through that difficult season together. And so for every Wednesday night since COVID began, uh, I've been meeting with this group of guys at 9.30 over Zoom. And we wrestle with scripture together. We, we talk about matters of life and faith. And, and it's been a, a great source of strength and connection and community for me. And one of the things I've loved most about this particular group is, is how everybody in it, uh, even though they're spread out across the United States, they have this collective desire, maybe even restlessness to become better. 
And when they talk about becoming better, what they're not talking about is having a better job or having uh, you know, a better income or having more responsibility, popularity, power, those kinds of things. What they long to become better at is, is to become better at life, to become better dads or to become better uh, partners or to become better neighbors or friends or coworkers or colleagues. They, they wanna be better disciples or they just wanna be better humans. This drives them. They're restless on account of their desire to become better. And I, I wonder if you've ever felt that same way. Like you've been longing for more or you want to become better. You're, you're shackled by the ordinary rhythms of your life and you want to break free so that you can, you can become better. Be redefined in, in how it is that you live your life. This is what defines that group. And, and lately we've been describing this as, as this restless pursuit of, of becoming better. And so, so we've been hearing and, and, and pondering the words of, of Augustine, one of the ancient church fathers who, who speaks of this restlessness in his confessions to God. And this is what he writes. He says, you have made us for yourself, O Lord. And our heart is restless until it finds rest in you. Augustine believes, and I agree that, that we were created by God for relationship with God, which means if we are dealing with restlessness, if we want to become better, if we want to have our lives redefined, if we want to find our rest, it necessarily belongs with God. And we need to find habits. We need to find activities. We need to find practices that will lead us to God because it's only in God that we will find our rest, that we will become better. And so I want to invite you to, to think about what your daily routine looks like, because most of us, for most of us, the habits that we engage in, the, the routine that we live by, it doesn't draw us closer to God. It moves us away from God. And so lately, we've been spending a lot of time thinking about our daily routine and the habits that we engage in, the practices that we engage in, and, and where they lead us, either toward God or away from God. What are your daily practices? What is a picture of your daily routine? Tell me if this kind of routine sounds like you. I was imagining maybe what a familiar day would, would feel like and would sound like. And for me, it would begin by waking up to the sound of an alarm clock because I'm almost too tired to wake up on my own most every day. And, and so we wake up, the day starts as the alarm clock sounds. Maybe you hit snooze once, maybe you hit it twice. But, but after waking up, the first thing you do is you, you take out your phone, you begin to scroll through social media, you begin to look at your inbox full of emails. Or, and then after doing that, you make your way to the bathroom and, and, and you use those facilities. And, and maybe your day is in different kind of order. Maybe you do the bathroom first and then you start scrolling, or maybe you try to maximize your time and you do both of those at the same time. Whatever happens after you wake up, after you scroll, after you use the facilities, you then make your way to the kitchen so that you can prepare yourself a cup of coffee, or maybe it's a cup of tea. And during that time it takes to brew, what you do is you use that to scroll some more on your device, or, or maybe you turn on the news so you can be up to date with what's happening. And by the time you're drinking your coffee, you're ready to get a quick bite to eat. And that leaves you just enough time to make it into the shower, to, to brush your teeth, to put on clothes, to get up and ready to move out the door to get started with your day or your activities or your work. Does that sound familiar to you? Those kinds of habits, all of those things that you do, you don't actually decide to do. You do them instinctively. It's like Nike. You just, you just do it. These are the habits that drive us, that, that confine us, that create these ordinary rhythms. And, and I don't know that they necessarily draw us closer to God. 
And it's not like it gets any better after our day's activities or after our, our, our work day. We find ourselves arriving home doing the same kind of thing. We get home and what happens is we, 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 we get home just in time to prepare dinner. And after we assemble dinner and get all the dishes cleaned up, we, we engage in our bath time and our bedtime routines. And, and that takes sometimes hours on end. And by the time you're finished with that, you're exhausted and, and yet you feel the need to engage in the day to make more of, of what's left of the evening. And so you find yourself wanting to escape, to stay up, but to escape from the stress or the tension or, or whatever it is that was, that was uh, you know, with you that, that day. And so you turn to streaming media. You binge watch your favorite TV show. Maybe you mourn the, the loss of Ted Lasso now that that season is over. But you find yourself watching more TV than you anticipated. And, and what happens is you go to bed tired. So much so that you know you're going to have to set the alarm again to wake up the next morning to do it all over again. I'm wondering if you find some sort of familiarity in in a day like that or routine like that or or habits like that. As we think about what it is that that God is calling us to, this restlessness that we have, we have to pay attention to our habits, to our practices and where they lead us. And so we live these ordinary rhythms of, of life that are, that are shackled by these habits. And, and all the while we have this underlying restlessness for more to become better, but there's no space. And so what we're going to do for the next five weeks is we're going to look at the five simple habits that we can practice that would lead us toward God so that we might actually become better so that we might redefine our life in the light of Jesus Christ. And what we know about redefining our life and engaging in habits that will lead us toward God is that God desires for us to break free from our ordinary rhythms of life, from these these habits that seem to shackle us or drive us away from God. If there's anything I love about Jesus, it's, it's that Jesus in his public ministry, he was seeking always to break us free from the regular pathways that we are walking on, the, the ordinary rhythms of our life defined by our habits our habitual way of living. I love that Jesus would would meet his disciples in the very beginning of his public ministry and he'd meet them on the ordinary roads that they traveled down and and in their ordinary jobs or their ordinary careers. And what he would do is he would invite them to break free from those things, to break free from the rhythms of life that they grew up knowing. And he invited them to do a brand new thing, to start living in a brand new kind of way. This is what we read in the gospel of Matthew as we see Jesus in his calling of the first disciples. He says, uh, this is what we read in Matthew. As he walked by the sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and they followed him. What what you get to see is Jesus meeting uh, this group of of fishermen and inviting them to to consider something brand new, to leave their ordinary habits past behind them and, and to go forward in a new kind of way. And what the disciples did was they immediately left everything behind and they started walking in a new direction. They took on new habits that would lead them toward God. And what you see in the gospel of Luke is that Jesus doesn't call them in the same kind of way. Jesus actually calls out to the disciples who were coming up empty handed as they were dropping their nets into the sea. And he says, hey, why don't you try something different? Why don't you throw the nets onto the other side? So they do, they pull up a huge haul of fish. And then Jesus says, now come and follow me. And they do that immediately. And what we see time and time again, as Jesus calls the earliest disciples, as he begins his public ministry, is he meets us. And he offers us moments where we can break free from our our habits, break free from our rhythms of life to pursue a new way forward, to follow in in the footsteps of Jesus. And everybody was willing to do so immediately, to drop everything they knew immediately because they all desired to become better. They all desired 
uh, more. They all wanted to redefine their life because they were restless and they found their rest in following Jesus. And so the disciples, they followed him. And, and as they followed him, they witnessed these extraordinary things so much so that they began to invite others to come and see what they were seeing. And what they were witnessing were things that were otherworldly that they couldn't have ever imagined in their ordinary ways of, of life. And so they said, you got to come and see what's going on. And, and so then these crowds of people began to follow Jesus. And then as Jesus was performing these miracles and, and, and healing people and, and teaching people and feeding people and dining with unusual people, he was doing all these things. Jesus would then take it a step further and invite these same disciples in the crowd not just to witness what he's doing, but to go and do the same thing. Which means becoming better looks like not just following Jesus, but having the courage and the desire to do what Jesus does. Jesus commands his disciples in the last supper saying, I need you to love one another the way that I first love you. And by this, you will be defined. People will know you are mine by your love for one another. Jesus invites us toward the pathway of abundant life by doing what he does, by practicing the way that he practiced, by engaging in the same habits and practices, by doing the same thing that he did, by engaging in habits and practices that lead us toward God, by following Jesus on the walk, we can find the life that we're looking for. We can break free from the old habits in order to live a brand new life, to become better versions of the people God created us to be to become instruments of God's healing and God's love for the world around us. And so for five weeks, we're going to look at these five different practices, simple habits that we can engage in, in order to follow Jesus, to do what Jesus did in order that we might become better. And today is the first day of this series. And so today we're going to focus first on worship. We're going to focus worship first because it's this foundational practice of the Christian faith. It's one of the best and easiest habits to understand as we build each week during these five simple habits. Worship at its most basic level is as simple as understanding a response from the creature to the creator. It's something as simple as understanding our response to God as being as communicative and as simple as saying, thank you and I love you. In the same way we receive gifts at Christmas from loved ones, we, we respond to those gifts that we've been given by saying thank you and, and I love you to our family members or friends who, who give us those gifts. That's what worship is for us. It's a chance for us to say thank you to God and to say, I love you to God for all of the gifts that we've been given. This is the natural response for the creature to the creator. It's a right relationship with God. We were created for this kind of uh, experience. We were created for worship. We were created to be in relationship with our creator as we seek in worship to say thank you and I love you for all of the gifts that we've been given. And so this is worship at its most basic level. It's something we were created for. It's something actually all of creation was created uh, with a capacity to do. And so what we recognize about all of creation is that we were all created to glorify God, to, to offer our thanks and praise by how it is that we seek to live. And this isn't just a human thing. This is like a whole earth kind of thing. The psalmist, he writes this in, in the psalm, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, which means everything belongs to God. God is the creator of all things seen and unseen and all of it has the the potential and the capacity to reflect God's glory. You continue to read through the Psalms and you're going to read songs like this that point to, to the fact that the sun and the moon and the stars, they all declare of God's glory or that the flowering meadows and the flashing fields, everything we see gives glory to God, sings of God's praise, which means we can experience worship everywhere we go. 
all throughout creation. One of my favorite hymns is, this is my father's world. It's in the hymnal. And and it's a great hymn that speaks to God's presence everywhere it is that we look and how everything sings songs of praise. This is my father's world. The, The birds, their carols raise. The morning light, the lily white declare their maker's praise. This is my father's world. He shines in all that's fair in the rustling grass. I hear him pass. He speaks to me everywhere. God is is everywhere. The buzzing bees, God is in the the singing birds. God is in the the flowing uh, fields. God is everywhere, which means we can look, uh, but just beyond our, our doors and experience God's praise throughout all of creation. You know, this is the beginning of the summer travel season, which means millions of people are going to be flocking to these places where they can just get outside of their ordinary routine to look at the horizon. So our social media feeds are are about to be inundated with these pictures of, of sunsets on the beach where people travel for miles just to stand and to look with wonder over God's grandeur, over God's beauty. This is God's creation, praising God. And and our natural response is to look at that that scene and to say, thank you. To say, I love you. To God, our creator, this is worship. Or if you're not the sea going kind of person, you go to the mountains and you get to experience God's majesty at the foothills of, of, of a mountain range. And in its bigness and in its beauty, you get to, you get to ponder God's goodness. And you say, thank you. And you, you say, I love you. This is worship. This is something that we were created to do. It's our natural response from the creature to the creator. And we see it everywhere. And this is what we are called to understand and to recognize. This is what the psalmist recites in the 95th Psalm. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving and let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth. In the heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it in the dry land, which is his hands have formed. This is worship. This is something we experience out and about, but this is also what we should experience here. Every time we gather together in a worship service, we should gather together to say, thank you to say, I love you to God, who is the giver of all gifts, who is the giver of of our life. It's a right relationship. It's a reorientation. It's a chance for us to thank God and to praise God, to say and to profess with our lives, I love you, God. One of my favorite things about worshiping at our Leewood location is is you have that experience uh, replicated. We have this beautiful stained glass window that, that isn't a, a, a mountain range or it isn't a, a sunset on the beach. It's instead this, this picture of God's majesty. It gives us a picture of the story of God and, and God's never failing love for us. And, and so the moment we walk into worship at our Leewood location, we should look up to that window in the same way that we look up to the mountaintops or we, or we look to the sunsets and, and give thanks to God. We should look to the window and, and do the very same thing. And we should remember God's never failing love for us. And we should remember how God, the creator gives us life. He initiates a relationship with us in the garden of creation. He meets us, he walks with us, he talks with us. Even when we disobey, even when we take from the tree uh, uh, that, that fruit, what happens is God doesn't leave us or forsake us. But all throughout the Old Testament, God continues to, to chase after us, to pursue us. 
And so God meets us and, and leads us and, and, and rescues us and delivers us and, and walks with us and, and offers us hope and carries us into the future. God's love never fails. We should look at the window and see the story of God chasing after us. And then we should see the face of God in, in the life of Jesus. And as we look to the face of Jesus, we should see God as, 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 as like the father of the prodigal who upon seeing his child return from, 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 from wayfaring and from wandering, he, he runs out to meet him with open arms outstretched. We should see in the face of Jesus, God who longs to experience everything we experience, to, to go through everything that we go through so that we might know that we're never alone. We see God who even in death draws us closer to him, beckons our attention through the crucifixion so that we gather near to experience the depth of his love for us. And even when we fall back into fear following his, his resurrection, God continues after Easter to chase into us and to remind us that he has risen, that he has risen indeed. And, and because of that, death doesn't have the final word. Every time we gather into worship, we should, we should stand up, we should stare, we should, we should look at the story of God and remember God's love for us. It's beauty, it's power, it's assurance, it's steadfastness in our life. And we should give thanks for who God is and for what God does time and time again for us. It should cause us to praise, to say thank you, to lift up our voices and sing. This is worship. And this is why worship always begins with, with singing. It always begins as we lift up our voices in response to God, as we, as we sing songs of praise and, and, and thanksgiving. And, and after we do that, then we move into this time of prayer and, and offering. And, and that's where we begin to give everything we have back to God wholeheartedly. We, we offer our confessions, our worries, our petitions, our, our celebrations. And in the same way, we, often, uh, we offer our, our resources, our, our tithes, our, our, our gifts, our treasures, everything that we have and all that we are, we give it back to God. And then therefore worship becomes a self-emptying. Worship becomes a time for us to give away all that we've been given, to let go of all those things that matter to us. Those things that, that are the byproduct of all of our habits, we give it all back to God so that we might be filled once more by the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ, so that we might be transformed, so that we might be redefined, so that we might be inspired to go and do the same thing that Jesus did so that we might go to, to the world to begin to love one another the same way that God first loves us. Worship is an opportunity for us to humble ourselves, to empty ourselves, to give all that we have and all that we are as, as tokens of thanks and praise, as gifts to God who first loves us. Worship is about emptying ourselves, giving ourselves wholeheartedly to God. It's not about us at all. It's about God and it's about offering our lives to God. I don't know about you, but is that how you approach worship? Do you approach worship? Do you come to worship uh, looking to give yourself away or do you come to worship looking to receive something? Do you come to worship looking to, to focus on God or do you find your focus is elsewhere when you gather together for worship? I've been thinking about the way I focus uh, in worship. And I struggle to focus and to remember that worship is about God and, and, and giving to God tokens of thanks and, and praise as gifts to God who first loves us. I, I find myself getting distracted by the things that I tend to focus on. 
uh, my own needs or my own uh, desires. Sometimes I find that our focus in worship tends to center upon our own personal preferences. And so when we find ourselves in worship spaces, we, we begin to focus on things like the music or we focus on the lighting or, or the clothing or the attire of the worship leaders or the behavior or the misbehavior of the people that are sitting around us or the inadequacy of the message, which is something you're probably noticing right now but we focus on anything but God. We focus on our our own personal preferences and I'm guilty of this as well, but can I share with you that this isn't what God desires from us? God doesn't care about our own personal preferences or styles when it comes to, to matters of worship and what we desire and what we don't desire. What God longs for in worship is us. That's all that he wants. God longs for a relationship with us. God longs for us to be here. And God doesn't care about our perfectly polished presentations or our precise technical execution. God doesn't care about the debate between traditional worship styles or modern worship styles. God doesn't care about people who hold their hands up or who rather worship with their hands folded. God doesn't weigh into those kinds of things because the only thing that matters in worship to God is us. God longs for us. God longs for a relationship with us. He longs for us wholeheartedly to offer our lives back to him the same way that he offers his life for us. That's the focus of worship. God desires us in our response to his initiation, to his invitation. God longs for us to drop what we've been doing, to drop our our, our preferences, to drop all of those things, those habits, those things that we hold on to that, that, that drive us. He longs for us to set all of that aside so that we can follow him, so that we can say thank you, so that we can love him, so that we can do the things that he does together. You see, God longs for us, all of us in worship, which is a way of recognizing that that God loves each and every one of us with all of our differences and our different personal preferences the same. And so when we gather together and we acknowledge that God is God and that we are not, when we profess our love and our thanksgiving to God, what that does is that humbles us, that puts us in a reoriented kind of way in relationship to God. And, And what that does actually is it levels the playing field which means in worship, you recognize that, that God is God, that, that we are not, which means everybody that's worshiping together is on the same level. Despite our differences, we're all the same. We are all God's creation. We are all God's children, which means when you look around the room and you're gathered together for worship, that means everybody around you is, is the same. It, it's God's gift. Have you ever been called God's gift before? Because the person next to you is God's gift. The person on the other side of the room from you is God's gift. The person that agitates you, that that prefers a different style of music is is God's gift. The person that is is bent out of shape about backwards hats or, or the person that is bent out of shape about the fact that we should wear robes in worship, they're God's gift. We're all God's gift, regardless of how we vote, regardless of of our personal preferences, regardless of our disposition, regardless of our behavior, our misbehavior, we're all the same. And God desires all of us together which means we are one with each other in worship. And through worship, we begin to see things differently. We begin to see the world as God sees it. And God sees each and every one of us as his gift, as his creation, called and equipped with a capacity to change the world, to bear God's image, to live a life of worship. 
to glorify God by how it is that they live with their unique and distinct idiosyncrasies and opinions. And so we gather together in worship. And one of the things that we recognize is that we are better together that God sees us and and sees us together. And we become better because we begin to recognize each and every one of us, all of our surroundings as full of God's power and God's presence. And that changes everything. The psalmist writes this, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. and, And we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. The psalmist turns the psalm plural and he begins to describe us collectively together worshiping. He says, oh, come, let us worship. Let us kneel down before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God collectively. And we, all of us are the people of his pasture. Worship gives us a chance to recognize that we are better together, that we belong together, that we are all God's children, that we come together and worship and we become one body. I came across this great image of of what happens and the power that arises when we gather together for worship. And it comes from Richard Foster's celebration of discipline. And this is what he writes. He says, look, when we come together in worship, we are like a heap of burning coals and we, we warm one another as a great strength and freshness and vigor of life flows into everybody. Said one log by itself cannot burn for very long, but when many logs are put together, even if they are poor logs, they can make quite a fire. He paints this picture of like iron sharpening iron and, and even the dullest of lives when they're bound together with each other can help each other, can inspire each other, can improve life for each other if they're willing to try. I think this is why Jesus says in Matthew, he says, look, wherever two or three are gathered, I am there with you because when we gather together, Christ is with us. This is what worship is. Worship connects us with each other the same way that it connects us with God. And it, it reorients our entire life so that we see the world around us the way that God sees the world and it inspires us to go and to live differently as one body called to go and do likewise, that we would together discover opportunities to carry our worship out into the world so that we can become Christ's ambassadors so that we can become uh, as pastor Adam refers to these living hallelujahs called to carry God's work into the world called to display God's glory by how it is that we seek to practice the things that Jesus did as we seek to love one another uh, the way that God first loves us. You know, I've been worshiping a lot and, and I find myself struggling in the same kind of way that my guess is that you struggle in worship by being distracted and not focusing on God, but focusing on all of those other things. But, but this past two weeks or so, I've had an interesting experience of, of worship. I've been floating around to all of the different locations and I've been just worshiping. And, and as I've been doing that, my seven-year-old son, Freddie, he's been with me. And, and every time we go to a different location to, to spend time at, 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 at these resurrection uh, locations, I, I invite Freddie and I give him a choice. And I say, say, Freddie, you know, do you want to worship with me or, or do you want to go and be a part of, you know, kids ministry to be in Sunday school? And, and I always anticipate that he's going to, to choose uh, our kids ministry, but, but over the last two weeks, he's chosen to be with me in, in worship, uh, to worship with me. And, and, uh, and it's been surprising. And so we've done that five times in the last two weeks, four of those have happened at one of our resurrection locations. One of those uh, worship nights happened at the Royals game last weekend. And, and, uh, and so I've had a chance to worship with him. And, and, and one of those moments stands out uh, in my mind and I haven't been able to shake. And, 
It happened a few weeks ago and, and I went to our downtown location. I was leading a, a baptism at, at that particular worship service. And so I gave Freddie the option as I had been doing, you know, Freddie, do you want to worship with me? Uh, if so, you're going to have to sit with me and, and be present with me. Uh, or do you want to go and, and be with the other kids? And he said, no, dad, I want to stay with you in worship. And I go, okay, well, well, we're going to sit over here. He goes, dad, I don't want to sit with you in worship. And so that immediately shifted my focus. Now I was nervous about his behavior or his misbehavior. I was nervous about his experience and, and his willingness to, to, to follow the rules and to do all of the things that people are accustomed to him doing or needing him to do during a worship service. But, but he said, dad, I don't want to sit with you and uh, I want to sit by myself. And so I said, well, Freddie, I, you can do it. And so reluctantly, I let him go and sit by himself. And he chose to sit in the front row, which terrified me. But he, he went and he sat in the front row and, and he just sat there. And I was waiting as people were arriving to worship. I was kind of keeping my eye on him, but trying to engage as well. And, and then uh, the worship service started and the music uh, started. And, and, uh, and, and when the worship leader said, hey, welcome to worship. Uh, it's great to see you. My son, Freddie, he, he responded to the worship leader saying, it's, it's great to see you too. To which end the worship leader was jarred out of his, his, his normal routine and, and, and then looked at my son, Freddie, and said, Freddie, it's great to see you. And he gave him a shout out and I was in disbelief and I was mortified and I was trying to, to focus on God, but I was now focused on Freddie and, 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 and this is what was happening. And then the baptismal family showed up and they, they sat next to my son and, and they surrounded him and, and he didn't know some of them. And, and, and so he was now sitting with strangers and, and he was worshiping and, and he was engaged. And, and I found myself focusing on him, watching him as he was lifting his voice in praise. I continued to watch him as he sat down and he bowed his head and he closed his eyes and he started praying. I watched him as he mouthed the words. I don't know what he said, but he mouthed the words during the silent prayer. I could hear his voice when he prayed the Lord's prayer. And I found myself watching my son and I couldn't help it, but I took a picture of him. And I remember being moved by, by that moment, watching my son worship watching him offer his life to Christ, following, singing songs of praise, professing his love, sharing his worries, his concerns, his celebrations, doing it all in worship. And I took a picture because I didn't want to forget it. And then I talked to Pastor Ann and I said, Pastor Ann, I, I feel like my son should do this always. Like his life would be so much better if he did this always. Like I want him to worship every week, because how amazing would it be if he begins to see the world as God sees it, as he begins to see himself as God sees him, as he begins to seek to, to try to live and to love, to, to go and do likewise, to, to try to love one another the same way that God loves him. How amazing would that be if he saw everybody around him as his equal, as his friend, as his co-laborer, as a gift that God gave to him to work with, to change the world. I think this habit of worship is something that can change our life. It can redefine us. It can reorient our whole being. It can help us to become better, to find our rest. And so at Resurrection, we just hope everybody takes it upon themselves to practice this weekly 
One of our hopes and one of our expectations at Resurrection is that all of our members, they, they worship weekly and, and they gather together for people with worship weekly. And if you can't, because you're sick or you're out of town, we want you to, to tune into our YouTube on-demand worship, or you want to go online to, to watch worship online or to participate in worship online or, or to even tune in on TV. Worship is a foundational rhythm, a foundational habit that, that helps us to become better. It, it helps us to recognize that God is God, that we are not in a reorient our entire life in our disposition so that we might carry forward as, as living hallelujahs, resolved to go and do likewise, to love others the way that Jesus first loves us. And then beyond weekly worship, what our hope is that you would engage in daily individual worship. And, and that happens through prayer. One of our hopes at resurrection is that in addition to weekly worship is that you'd engage in personal worship through prayer. And our hope is that you do that five times a day. And for me, praying five times a day looks like very quiet, very short, very simple prayers five times a day. And, and what I like to do is I like to, to pray the first thing in the morning. And so when I wake up, instead of scrolling, I wake up and I say a prayer to God. And that prayer is a prayer of thanksgiving. And so I start my day with a thumbs up. I thank God for the gift of this next day. And I ask God to equip my eyes so that I can see the world the same way that God sees it. And so I start my day with prayer by saying, thank you. And then I finish my day with prayer. And what I find is that if you bracket your day with Thanksgiving, life becomes better. And so I begin and end my day with prayer. I, I give thanks to God twice at the beginning and to the end of the day. And at the end of the day, I simply say, God, thank you for the gift of this day. Now give me rest so that it might wake up and I might be refreshed as I begin to start uh, the next day with gratitude. And then in between the morning and the day, I, I have three meals typically. And so at breakfast, I pray, at, at lunch, I pray, and before dinner, I pray. And each one of those prayers are very simple. If we wanna go beyond simple thanksgiving and, and gratitude, then one of the things that we invite you to do here at Resurrection is to engage in a five-fold pattern of prayer. And, and, and as we engage in a five-fold pattern of prayer, the first thing we do is we offer our, our praise or our adoration. This is where we glorify God uh, as our creator, as our maker of all things seen and unseen. And then we move from adoration into this place of, of thanksgiving. And when we give thanks, what we do is we, we offer our gratitude for all that we've been given, the gifts of the day, we thank God for everything. And then we move into this place of confession. And that's our middle finger. That's where we offer all of our shortcomings, our failures, our faults. That's where we confess all of those things that we, we don't typically do. And then you move from the middle finger to our ring finger typically. And, and that's where we begin our petition, where we pray for others. We, we worry about others. We, we petition on the behalf of others. And then lastly, what we do is we make our, our promises or we, or we yield our life over to Christ. We offer our covenant. We say, God, take me. Use me, put me to what you will, rank me with who you will, use me as your instrument of, of love this, this day. And so you can engage in five-fold uh, structure of prayer, or you can simply engage in a, in a prayer of thanksgiving, but our hope is that you're engaging in worship daily through prayer, because that's how we say thank you to God. That's how we say I love you to God every day, individually. And what do you find is that, that sometimes our greatest pursuits are bracketed with thanksgiving. And when we, when we find that we are giving thanks always, that we're living into the Apostle Paul's vision of what it looks like to, to live the rhythm of the Christian life, this is what he says in 1 Thessalonians 5. He says, give thanks always, for this is the will of Christ Jesus. Pray without ceasing. Rejoice always. Let this be the pattern, your habits, a new rhythm of life that will lead you toward God toward becoming better, toward reflecting God's light and love to the world around you, to find your rest. You wanna become better. You wanna you want break free from the ordinary rhythms of your day. You need to look at the habits that you're engaging in. 
And then you need to replace those habits that are leading you away from God by engaging in these new simple habits that lead you toward God who longs for us to find a new way to become new creations, to follow Jesus and to go and do likewise. And that's my prayer for all of us as we begin this pursuit of becoming better together. Would you pray with me? God, help us to see the beauty of this world that you have given to us. Help us to notice the gifts that surround us. Help us to remember that you are God and that we are not and set us free. God, help us to trust that somehow you will see us through whatever it is that we face. Help us to know that you will never leave us or forsake us. And that somehow by your grace and by your power, you're able to bring good from everything. God, give us grateful hearts and help us to follow you in our daily life and together that we might become your living hallelujahs, your living body here on this earth, just as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for watching this week's sermon. We'd love for you to join us again for live worship online or in person. To learn more about Church of the Resurrection, please visit core.org. Have a great week and we'll see you next time.